This is the beautiful game described by two ugly gentlemen. Glory to Columbus! Who are probably sitting at a soccer bar near you. McBride's in the box, a hard cross, McBride scores! It's 3-0, United States! Welcome to Bone and Bean United. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am a very chipper beam. Oh, very chipper indeed. It's uh, It's been a week here at the station. Been a, It's been a month wrapped up in a week, yep. I would say. We've had a lot of, uh, for behind the scenes stuff, people don't know. We've had uh, a few people leave the station in bigger roles. And so we have new people filling in in those roles, new people being hired. And so what that's meant is a lot of people behind the scenes are doing a lot more work than normal to keep this place on the air until everything gets kind of resituated, including you, you're doing a lot. Well, I, whatever, but I'm just saying like Timmy hall has been here. Yeah. Like Timmy hall had like dress slacks and a dress shirt Jesus. on, which I'd never see him in. And <laughs> it was jarring the first time I saw it, but you know, evil bald Collins doing stuff. We got yeah. a lot of people chipping in behind the scenes. Ted, so, Ted Panama, Ted's doing it. So everyone's kind of testy. Yeah. Everyone's a little on edge. So yeah. So it's been uh it's been a hell of a week beam. Excited though. I, I will say this before we go any further. Thanks to everyone yep. who came out to the Death Star, hung out with us at our live broadcast, which did not get podcasted, and that's okay. It was only two segments. We Stupid basically Browns. We well, we previewed the crew game that already happened. We'll which we'll talk about. Uh the crew. There's two crew games since we last spoke. We'll get into those uh coming up. But yeah, we we want to thank everybody who came out and hung out at our live broadcast before the game uh with crew in Toronto. Uh, it was nice to see all of your faces. I know quite a few of you said you you know were out there and said how many of you have listened, and you, a lot of hands went up. So that was really – I don't know how you felt about it, Beam. I felt that made me feel pretty special that you guys uh, give us the time to listen to us. So it's great to interact with you and get to meet some of you. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. Yeah, we appreciate it. no doubt, man. It was uh, it was pretty tremendous. And, again, I, I want to thank crew fans as well for being you know gracious with me because over the last five years, like, with this podcast, like, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm doing my best with MLS. I've been very open and transparent and honest about that. And I'm just thankful that crew fans don't boo me like they do Michael Bradley when I say something very stupid. Well, that's, but they, there's a difference though, because you have a willingness to, <laughs> to dive in and, and yeah. you're all in on Columbus. You're all in on the crew. So uh, I, I say this all the time about newer fans to the crew. That's okay. If you don't know all these references, if you don't know all these names, that's all right. Like it's, it's cool to learn about them. And I wish the crew, I got to say, I wish they did a better job of highlighting mm. some of these former players instead of putting them on the least used entrance into the stadium is where they put the circle of honor, whatever we're calling that yeah. thing. It's like, cool. I got to, no one goes out that there. That plaza would be a nice place to put it. Yeah. The where plaza we where the we show. were would be yeah. a great place, you know, but uh, whatever. We got to have a stage for when 21 pilots doesn't do a show there. I guess. I don't know. Anyway, for when a stupid podcast does, or when a stupid podcast does do a show. Hey, you know yeah. what I'm really happy about too? Like again, our our broadcast out there, we're no longer on segments and done in by the radio show. Yes. So we're getting back to just kind of talking whatever and not being hamstrung by a clock. Yeah. I'm you, super excited. You know who's about really that. thrilled about that? Not just you and me, Bodie, yeah. our producer, Bodie Wells, who puts this all into a framework that allows it to be on the air and trims it down. And if we say a dirty word, he edits it. So. It, doesn't get us in trouble with the radio, with yeah. the FCC. <laughs> now this isn't going to be on the radio. So don't worry. Like now we could just let it all fly or not. But you know what I mean? We can just kind of free ball it, have there a little more fun. There will be F-bombs coming. <laughs> Can't wait for that. 
I'm excited. Yeah. It's been a while since uh, we had one of those. Well, Although, I, think the, I think the Holland rant. It was, was the, the early Holland time. rant yeah. that was like from this time last year. Yeah. No, it was, was it? A, I thought it was in the, I thought it was more in the like winter of this. Well, Maybe. whatever. I don't remember. Go look back probably <laughs> 20, 30 episodes ago and look for an Erling Holland one where in the description it'll say <laughs> T Bone went off on Erling Holland. And it was not bad. It was good. I was just saying how effing good this guy is. Yeah. But it was a positive cussing out i guess if hey you will. let's do uh let's do the houston game from last night before we get into the toronto that's game. fine uh most predictable loss that they have ever had uh it was daytime temp now i know they played at night but daytime temp in in houston of 100 degrees and houston known for its dry air oh yeah <laughs> or like a cool 85 or probably. it's or it's humid as hell so it almost never fails. If the crew are yeah. going to play in Houston, they are going to play on perhaps the hottest week of the year. And it was too, it was a midweek game. <laughs> like, yeah, midweek game in between. Was. You got one this weekend. Yeah. So midweek game, you just had a couple big emotional wins. Mm-hmm. That doesn't excuse the performance no. necessarily, but I'm not surprised they lost two nothing. And yeah, there were a couple letdowns in the back. Really can't have that. Yeah, but. you know, I mean, you know how I am, Bone. You're more of a... Let's just kind of see the whole big picture guy. I'm more in the game to game overreact kind of framework. And even me watching it last night, I'm like, ah, clunker. Like, yeah. th- throw it out. Throw yeah. it out. Throw this it isn't out. like this isn't what their identity is. This isn't signs of bigger problems to come. I'm like, this is a game where you just flush it down, flush it down the tube, and you move on. Next game is at Montreal. Am yeah, I the wrong? Wolfrey Nancy Derby. That's what I'm saying. You just had Hell is Real, mm-hmm. then Boo Michael Bradley game. Then Houston, <laughs> then Wilfried Nancy returns to yeah. Montreal of those four games, which one I know they will all tell you it's all the same level of focus, but which one do you think the players cared about the least of these four? Yeah, that one. Well, it was yeah. evident too the way that they played. Yeah, right. So I'm not saying I'm saying that's human nature. Yeah. I'm not excusing it. I'm saying you're professional athletes. I get it. Would have been nice to steal a point. Didn't happen. Cucho didn't look sharp. That's a little concerning. Almost had a sweet goal. I know. He did almost. He had a couple almost as well. I saw someone on Twitter, and I'm I'm sorry if you listen to the show and I can't attribute it to you properly. It's like, can someone just pass the ball by Steve Clark? <laughs> like, yeah, no <laughs> kidding, right? Because <laughs> yeah. if you shoot it at him, yeah, he's apparently a yeah. rock and he can stop anything. But if you just send him a little pass, that's where. Or if you let him dribble around a little bit, you know, I heard someone screaming in my neighborhood last night. I think it may, it may have been neighbor Eric mm. just pulling his hair out. Yeah, right. It's uh. It's too bad about that old 2015 thing, huh? Jeez. God. I can't believe it's been eight years almost I since told that you, happened. I told you the story about Eric, right? I mean, he's got all kinds of different, like, crew memorabilia and gear and all kinds of different stuff. And he has an entire – I mean, he's got the MLS Cup final match ball from 2015 signed by the team. Like, won it, oh. like won it during the game or before yeah, the game or right. whatever. Oh, my God. Yeah, and this ball right. <laughs> – this ball – is he's has said it's cursed so he 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 just gave it away he just gave it to uh, somebody he's like i don't even want that in my house so it's a game used ball from an mls cup featuring the signatures of all the players on the crew who were in the game yeah like ML, that mls cup final yeah so god imagine though how imagine that's the fickleness of sports is it not imagine how treasured of possession that would be if they won right right you would have you would be talking about all the sig- Tony Chani's signature will live on in your living yeah. room forever <laughs> on that one, right? Instead, now it's we don't even think about. Anyways, it. clunker against Houston. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Michael Bradley game before that. Toronto, of course, comes in. Trillium. I call it, it 
Trillium Cup, who cares? No one cares now. We've got better rivalries. But that was one of the Mark McCullers, former GM of the crew, worked with the league, worked with Toronto, try to figure out some way to get a trophy, mm-hmm. some way to have a little something. And so they picked out Toronto basically because Toronto was new. They were looking for a rival. And they said, well, hey, why don't we pair up? They're kind of, it's a drivable distance, like six, six hours. hours to drive up there. Never been so, to Toronto. Would love to go. I've been to a Trillium Cup match actually nice. up there. Yeah. Uh, Pat Noonan, who is now, of course, yeah. with FC Cincinnati, their head coach, uh, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Albright's the GM. I always get confused. Which of the four? They're both former MLS players. But anyway, Pat Noonan scored a goal for the crew. I think maybe the only goal he ever scored for us in that game that I went to in 2008 up in Toronto. And that was they and Danny O'Rourke, I remember, held up the Trillium Cup on the field to like the hundred of us that were there. We took a little bus. It was fun. But that's my, I think, only time I've ever been to Toronto. Yes, was that time. And uh, Did you beat anybody up when you were a crew ultra back then? No, but uh, there was, I mean, there was a fight. <laughs> we were trying to get out of it. We were walking to our car and some of the Toronto people were trying to be ultras. And it was a little hairy getting to the back to the bus. And then we got on the bus, police escort to our hotel nice. because of that. And our hotel was in the Sky Dome in uh, cool. Rogers Center. And we were in those rooms that are in the in overlook like the outfield. Stadium, yeah. yeah, they overlook the outfield. Had no idea. So that we got there and it was like we were with the team. And then we go downstairs and Frankie Hadick's pouring beer into the trilling cup and we were <laughs> drinking out of it. Like it was it was a simpler time back then, Beam, is what I'm saying. It was a, a simpler time. Well, but now it's very convoluted. Do we boo Michael Bradley? Do we not boo Michael it's Bradley? Not, not convoluted no, for me. No, it's not. Me no. either. Very, very cut and dry. Uh, you boo the guy who said this friend who said, I feel for their small group of supporters, but mm-hmm. that was the quote that got, got him in trouble with the butt back in save the crew time when everyone is getting asked, Hey, and this is when Toronto was rolling. The crew were playing them in the playoffs. Remember Toronto was like hot at this yeah. point. This is uh Prez Bez Toronto where he had them great. And so this is a big time matchup. You're in the playoffs and I know you're they Toronto wanted to, you know, go win an MLS cup. Right. So they're not, necessarily probably concerned the players aren't with everything but that all said Bradley all he had to do is say yeah I feel for the fans there because that sucks they're it's a it's a bad situation for them mm-hmm. that's, that's all you have to say move on move on yep. or or you can say no comment and I know that some people say well he's been asked multiple times fine then just say I feel bad for anybody who loves this team I hope it doesn't happen end of story that's instead, it instead he was like you know what though since you asked let me wait in on this uh, let me take a giant dump on your city this city has not kept up with the pace of MLS or whatever the hell he said. However, however he phrased that, it's not kept up with the standards that MLS has. Yeah. Cool. Whose fault would that be, Michael Bradley? And that's where I always had the problem with that quote. Yeah, it didn't. Whose fault is that? Right. If you're going to blame the fans for the stadium falling apart, you're going to blame the fans for not being energy. The fans that are there, you're blaming them for not being energized enough. Right. Again, it's on the team to get the fans to come watch them. That's what the team's job is. Just like it's a business's job, if you're Walmart, to say, you should come here. We have lower prices or whatever. Your your job is to get people in the door. So why would you essentially say, I feel for those supporters, but eh, this team hasn't kept up with expectations. Anthony Precourt's the owner. Right. So who are you siding with there? You're basically siding. You're saying the team hasn't kept up, but I get why they're moving. So that's on Anthony Precourt? No. You're saying no, I, I, I support Anthony Precourt yeah. doing what he's doing, basically. Mm-hmm. It's these guys who think they're smart and they're actually stupid. So it's a big problem. It was that's, great. 
That's that's the Michael Bradley experience in a nutshell, right there. We um, we were at the game obviously on Saturday. We were doing our pre-show there, and you know, I got in, went to the stadium, it was good. Willie went on his went to his first big crew I was gonna game. Say yes, he uh, did crew two. Well, did heck is plausible for crew two. Your your little guy, who's what is he like six months uh, old now? Yeah, he'll be six months next week. So yeah. almost uh, so almost half a year old. Getting into his first crew game before he even hit the year mark. That's something. Yeah, so that was that was pretty neat, and you know, it was great. Meredith was out there as well, and. Uh, my dad and my stepmom were down from Cleveland, and they're going to move here, you know, hopefully coming up next year. They're building a house and all kinds of good stuff. So it'll be nice to have them down. Um, but it was their first crew game as well. Uh, they had never been to Historic Crew Stadium, so this was their first, like, you know, live MLS game. Now, they did go to one other soccer game because they like to go over to France. Like, every other year they would go over to France, and they would see Jimmy Buffett, like, finish off his – worldwide or yeah just don't ask me i don't well, know that's so interesting like where did yeah. you go to do in france did you go to the eiffel tower now i went to see jimmy buffett yeah we're gonna okay. say an honest and you know watch <laughs> jimmy buffett or whatever it was yeah. and uh, so they would go over there you know once every couple of years and do that and my dad knows nothing about he's more of a rugby guy like doesn't really know a whole lot about soccer and he would text me he's like hey um you know we're staying in paris where should we uh like should we go to a, a soccer match I was like, yeah, PSG, like that's a pretty big team. He's like, all right, cool, thanks for the info. The next thing that I know, it's a Wednesday afternoon, and I'm just hanging out at the house. They're over in Paris, and he sends me a video of the stadium, and I'm like, wait a minute, why are they playing on a Wednesday? It's like the Champions League anthem. He's like, he went, the only other game that he's been to was just a random PSG Champions League game. Oh. And I'm like, I hate you. I mean, I hate right. you. Right, yeah, you just, you were like, What's good to do here? Oh, the coolest thing you can do? <laughs> awesome. I didn't even know about it, but now I'm here. So, you wish, know, this, wish this was rugby because yeah. that'd be more fun for me. Yeah, I want to go watch Saracens <laughs> over in England. But he uh, he was asking me, he's like, hey, why is this uh, why is this bald dude getting booed the entire time? So I told him the story yeah. and kind of everything that was happening. He was like, yeah, that's interesting. And then the next time Michael Bradley touched the ball, he's just like, boo! Yeah. So yeah. He, he lopped right on too. See, that's what I had. I had the same experience of people behind me. I actually had a couple of people give the wrong. I had I had one guy behind me that was like, I think he used to play here, and so they're booing him. And I'm like, I didn't say that's incorrect, but I just was like, no. just so you know, there was a situation. You I were the well the actually guy. I did well actually, but <laughs> I didn't say like that guy's wrong. I just said, well, there was this situation. This is what it is for what it's worth. Now you know. I didn't say like that guy never played here because yeah. he, you know, right? he didn't. Um, also... Then there was, uh, I, so I had it a couple times, and I saw our good buddy, Pat Murphy, who was just the guest host on this Pat. show last week when Pat, I was out. Pat, Pat, Pat. Pat's okay. Uh, <laughs> Pat. Pat is very set in his ways, and Pat and I argue. I know. Pat and I hang out once a week. We watch Manchester, You're Manchester United, United fans. Yeah. We go over to City right. Tavern. At some point in time of our two hours of interaction during the match, before the match, and after the match, Pat and I get to a ver- into a verbal altercation once a week about something stupid. Every stu- time, huh? About something stupid that he says. Yeah. And I yeah. have to try to flip-flop his decisions. But he's very set in his ways. Here's what I will say for Pat Murphy, because I consider Pat a friend. I like Pat a Pat lot. Pat is a he's great a good, He's a great guy. And and Pat and I disagree on this, and we sometimes – I say argue on Twitter. Yeah. We, we send back counterpoints to each other. But if I saw Pat in person, I'd be like, I don't – it's fine. Yeah. You can have your opinion. I just disagree <laughs> with it. And I like to argue. You can ask my parents. I was the biggest arguer in our house growing up. I, I argued all the time. What I will say, though, is Pat, I think, is saying that was Michael Bradley technically wrong when he said the stadium hadn't kept up, the organization hadn't kept He wasn't. My only issue with that, like I said, is who does that put the blame on? Right. 
for Michael Bradley. And Michael Bradley basically was saying, this organization sucks. So what I'm going to do is say, I'm glad they're able to move yeah. so they can be a crappy organization somewhere else. Mm -hmm. How how does that make any sense? It doesn't. If, you, if, if Michael Bradley actually knew what he was talking about, he would have said, ah, and because it's a crappy organization, I should blame the ownership for that. Again, I should side with these fans. And I, and I, and he did say, I feel bad for these fans, but he said small group. Who else was saying there was a small group of fans? Mm -hmm. The ownership of the crew at the time. That was the Dave Greeley line, if you'll remember, who wasn't an owner, but was part of the group trying to move him to Austin yeah. where he had that, he got catfished. Yeah. And someone got out of him where he said, yeah, they're inch wide, mile deep, but there's, there's no, it's just a very little group of fans that support. That wasn't a small accurate. vocal group of fans. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And so echoing that point, as an MLS player, again, probably better to just not weigh in. Yeah. Or if you, you can, can weigh again, in, you can have your thoughts. Have sure. them. Have them all. Sometimes Maybe. it's 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 a good idea for you to be like, no comment. Well, that's if you don't want to get booed. Yeah. And and if you don't, and again, or if you don't want to take a picture after the game and then have somebody flip you off and get really upset about. It. Well, and no one should be Mike. Let's <laughs> see. That's that's the other thing. Again, I'll get to that. <laughs> Michael Bradley should not be surprised that the loyal fans that he referenced because apparently he just cared about the fans so much mm -hmm. if you read that article and again i don't blame adam jardy for writing the article he asked michael bradley questions that's your job as a journalist michael bradley then proceeded to say more dumb stuff michael bradley somehow tried to make himself the victim by saying oh guy came up to me and flipped me off that's terrible oh my words were misconstrued while also saying i also shed light on all this and i probably helped save the team a little bit hey, no you didn't no you didn't, no, you didn't. And not see, at all any of the save the crew meetups Shows you how delusional Michael Bradley is. Yeah. And and uh, quite honestly, I think he's stupid. He might be a smart soccer player. He might be an intelligent, savvy human in other areas. He's not very good at this thing right here, this little situation. He's very dumb in this moment because, <laughs> Beamer, you watch sports. I do. I'm a sport watcher. You're a sport watcher. Professional sport watcher, some might even say. Correct. Uh, name your rivalry. Of course, we got OSU-Michigan. Well, let's go Yankees-Red Sox. Sure. Bears-Packers. You're a Yankees player who's been booed in center field every time you step out of Fenway for nine innings. Mm -hmm. After the game, you're leaving, and someone in a Red Sox jersey is like, hey, Chad, come here. I want to take a picture with you. And you're like, well, this guy who, must me? be. This, this must be a Red Sox fan who just values how good I am. And then when the Red Sox fan is like, ah, F you, mother, F I, and then like <laughs> flips you the bird with the selfie, whose fault is that? Yeah, It's his for being a dumbass in the stands but it's also yours for being stupid enough and arrogant enough to think that the rival this guy just wants, the picture. wants your picture because you're Michael Bradley. You're so good. Or maybe you should realize you're in Columbus and you just got booed for 90 minutes. Take the hint. And he couldn't because his arrogance makes him think this fan wants a picture with me. Of course he does. I'm Michael Bradley. I'm awesome. And he didn't read the room. He didn't understand. No, actually, he didn't. He was messing with you. That's, again, that's not good behavior of the fan. Don't be stupid. Michael Bradley He's stupid when it comes to Columbus. That's all I'm saying. He might be smart every other way. He's dumb when it comes to here. And that's why he gets booed. And I hope he gets booed for the rest of his eternal life. I don't even know what eternal life means. But if he has it, I hope he gets booed for it in I Columbus. I hope he hears it in his nightmares. That's right. Also, it's a good performance by them. Welcome to Columbus, Diego Rossi. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We didn't even talk about the game. Diego yeah, it Rossi. It doesn't matter. He, you know what? I'll say this with Diego Rossi getting to watch him a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is not what I expected because this is not what he's looked like when he played with LAFC. He's not typically on the ball as much as he has been so far with the crew. Um, I would like that to change. I would like to see him doing more running onto the ball, not trying to break down. You know, when he's mm -hmm. 
first half, I was sitting in the corner near the Nordeca on the west side of the stadium. There were a lot of times where he was over in that area, and I saw him just on the ball, and there's three guys around him, and he's doing that, like, kind of hold it, yeah. figure out what to do, and everyone's kind of catching up. That's not his game. No. Lucas was more that guy. Diego Rossi is a guy who gets a lot of his goals from being in get good, into space. Yep, get into space, let the ball come to you, and then do good things with it quickly once you have it. He's not yet really found his game yet here, and I, that's okay. It's going to take time. He's now trying to integrate into a new system, new players, learn everybody's names. tendencies, names, <laughs> tendencies, what they want to do, and then fit that into the philosophy of Nancy. So that's okay. But but still, despite not playing his best, he found a way to get a goal because he is one of those guys who finds himself in good spots because mm-hmm. he knows how to get there. And I think that's great. So got on the score sheet. I love the pose. If you saw the, the yeah. three guys, the three-headed monster up top there, all three guys posing together, and they turned that the crew did into the old logo. That was sick. I I liked that a lot. So that was nice to see. Good goal there. We'll take it. Yeah, it was great. And then Jason Russell Rowe, nice as well. Goalkeeper assist yeah. from Patrick Schulte. That's right. A man who could uh, just about do no wrong. First one for him. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not the last with the way that he plays. No, man. I just He's got a ridiculous leg. And the way that the crew yeah. deploy him, I mean, that was something to see. But Jason Russell Rowe, I believe left off the uh well not left off he was a toronto academy product mm-hmm. and they kind of were like yeah we don't really see a value in you so i bet it was nice for him to score okay. a goal against his old team yeah but that felt really good so yeah nice easy victory not easy but the type of victory you need it was at one nil and it felt like it was in control like yeah yep. there were points in the game which like i thought okay maybe they're gonna get a goal here but in the last 10 minutes i was not worried at all that they were going to give away three points no no so if you would have gone back last year i would have been like biting my nails like when is the goal yeah, coming right i wasn't either i was just i wanted to see them get a second goal and really just put the nail in the yeah. coffin and say this is over and and they did um so the houston game like we said not a lot to talk about there not great but i'm gonna say let's hold off some judgment on if that's a trend or if that's just a kind of a weird night let's see how they do in montreal mm-hmm. and then and then we'll talk we'll you know free nancy I mean? bowl by the way, Rudy was, Camacho bowl for what it's worth too, right? I was thinking about this the other day, going back to that whole story of like Nancy and the owner getting into a spat and like the owner coming into the Joey locker Saputo, room. Joey Saputo, yeah. Like how that just seems so out of character for Wilfried Nancy to be upset about anything. Well, let alone like how that marriage would end in like a horrible tension. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just, that is so out of character. Now I understand it from like an actual like sporting perspective, I would understand you'd be mad if your owner is coming in and like talking to the team and being like, Hey, this is a performance. I'd play this guy, that guy, that guy. Like I understand that. But the more that I think about it and how out of character that is for Wolfrey Nancy to have like a total blow up. Cause he is calm, cool, collected as it gets. Yes. Other than when you have perhaps yeah. the worst MLS referee we've ever seen, like refing your game. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. but even that it took mo- it took 80 minutes for that to materialize into something. And that was at the time we said, that's also out of character. Right. Yeah. So, what I would say is to that point with Wilfried Nancy, I think that he's like most people I think would when you're just so out of line that someone has to say something that's he'll say something and he'll say it in a big way. Yeah, yeah. I get that vibe that he lets a lot slide. But once you've pushed him past Enough. his point, yep. then you're going to get a big reaction. And I don't think that's bad. I think that's fine. I, I appreciate people who can 99% of the time say, yeah, I'm, I'm level-headed and this makes a lot of sense and I'll, I'll just, I don't like what you're doing, but I'll figure out a way. 
But obviously, Joey Saputo coming to the locker room, not acceptable, right? Uh, referee calling every foul known yeah, to man geez. and letting other guys just get into fist fights, not acceptable. And you saw it. Like, it was a, a next-level thing. So that's – that's I think the Montreal game has a lot of juice in that regard, too. too. So we'll see how that plays out. But I'd like to believe the crew will get back to kind of looking more like they did in the FC Cincinnati-Toronto game than what we have with – Plunker, flush yeah. it. Yeah. So let's find out. Saturday night, get going again. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll take a break when we come back. Tons of controversy in uh, mm. the world of women's soccer with the Spanish national team and the guy who runs the Spanish Soccer Federation. We will talk about Luis Rubiales. Uh, I think that's his name, right? Yeah, that's his name, Luis Rubiales. Nailed it. We'll talk about him. We will talk about a national team player who still may have a lot of work to do to get back in the good graces of the national team. All that and more coming up next. You're listening to Bone and Beam United. What a moment! Now back to Bone and Beam United. You can always tweet the program at Bone Beam United. And of course, if you're saying this seems a little bit different than the last podcast you've done, it seems like the segments are a little longer and that you guys just keep talking. Yeah, well, we're not on the radio anymore. So Thank you're getting back to the real podcast. We do too much structured stuff in our day to day. I know, man. Lives. Oh, this is I had somebody ask me that. Why do you like why do you like to do a soccer podcast? I'm like, because all my other stuff, it's like, get your thoughts out, get done with it, move on to the next thing. Yeah. You have eight minutes here to do that. Now with these, it's like we can just kind of flow into it. We can have a conversation. It's a lot more, to me, it's a lot more natural and it is a lot more fun to do it this way. Uh, so let's talk a bit about the situation with Spanish soccer. Luis Rubiales, if you've missed that. Um, so Jenny Hermoso, one of the players for the Spanish national team. You know, the Spanish national team had a lot of controversy. It yeah, had they did. It. We chronicled it right before the start of the tournament. Yeah. Part of it had to do with, you know, the management of the Spanish Federation and particularly the women's soccer team manager, they were not a fan of him. And so they had asked multiple times, can we have another manager? Soccer Federation came back and basically said, no, this is the guy, deal with it. So some of the players sat out of this World Cup. Uh, she did not, Jenny Hermosa did not. And she was very good. And she goes up there and they, you could tell they clearly have a good relationship mm -hmm. prior to this where she was kind of like, can you believe this? And he's doing it. Can you believe this? Oh my gosh, you know, Paul Rudd, look at us now. Who would have thought, right? That yeah, kind of thing. Not me. No, not me. And then that's where the relationship goes south. Yep. Luis Rubiales takes liberties, grabs her by the sides of the face, and kisses her right on the lips. And she obviously in the moment just doesn't do anything. She just gets the medal and walks off. That is not an indication that that was a welcome gesture. That is an indication of we're on worldwide TV. I just won a World Cup. I don't know what that guy just did. Let me get my medal and get on with the celebration. Yeah. And then, the, and then later on, when you see it and you kind of reflect on it, you can go, yeah, that was not cool. I'm not okay with that. So this this whole thing has gotten into a, a huge snowball. Oh, where, it's been, I mean, massive, massive snowball. Well, he has since said multiple times, I'm not going to resign, and this was consensual. And she, I asked her, how about a kiss? And she said yes, which I don't believe you. Did you really? I don't believe you. When she is saying no? But also, again... If you were a boss at a regular job and you're like, I went up to my coworker and said, how about a kiss? And she said, yes. What's the problem? It's a power structure thing. Mm -hmm. It's a, you're the powerful man in charge of this thing. And someone who is working for you, you've asked to do something they may or may not want to do. 
they may not feel like they can say no in the moment. Right. That doesn't mean just because there was consent that it was actual Above consent. Board, yeah. Right. It means that someone may have felt coerced in any of those situations. So uh, he had said, no, I, this was all consensual. Well, not long after he made those statements, Jenny Hermosa put out her own statement that said, this was not consensual. Mm-hmm. I did not agree to this. I didn't want to get into this because I just wanted to enjoy the win, which that's that's what sucks for all of this. Of Spain, Spain won the World Cup. It was one of their yeah, greatest the achievements in, in soccer. History, yeah, in the women's game. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying in the Spanish soccer, it's one of their greatest achievements ever. They yeah. they built this program up, got it back to where the men's team wants to be. Now the women's team is as good in their division as the men's team has been for many years. Not bad. So you should be happy about this. Instead, it's mired in controversy. Yeah. So the latest is uh, apparently UEFA is trying to say, well, we could punish him, but. Well, it's really on FIFA's plate. FIFA should do that. <laughs> it's like, no, no. Why don't you take some onus? Why don't you take some responsibility here? You don't run, just run that up the, the flagpole to Oyani up there. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, Rubialis is a UEFA vice president. So, of course, so it's not like, so UEFA is saying like, well, we know it's bad, but we also think that should be something that should be handled by someone else where he is not the actual vice president. President of the European football governing body, Alexander Seferin, is the one who said, of course, what he did was inappropriate. We all know it. I hope he knows it was inappropriate. This is enough for the moment because the independent disciplinary bodies will decide, talking about FIFA and some of the other courts. Um So he then also said his case is in the hands of the disciplinary body of the International Federation, a.k.a. FIFA. Any comments I might make would sound like pressure. Oh, no. Perish the thought that you pressure FIFA to do a thing that everyone basically agrees should happen. Right. You see the stuff about his mom and I guess his sister. No. And I think they're they're doing a hunger strike now to support him, to say he's being railroaded and... I'm sure this is some version of cancel culture that's happening because a guy grabbed a woman's face and kissed it. Did you see, I mean, all the things TV. that can also spiral out of control for, like, the Spanish Federation? Tied no, to this? no. Barcelona, Real Madrid, all the Spanish teams, like, in UEFA competitions could be, like, expelled from the contest. Oh, really? Yes, it if, allows if for the controversy was... to rule over RFEF president, which is the Spanish Federation, who is expected to leave his post at a specially held press conference assembly Last Friday, and I'm reading this from 442, Ruby Ellis now infamously kissed Spain women's defender Gen- Jenny Hermoso. Um, and all of this is going on. Like, you have Spanish players coming out in support of— You had multiple yeah. big-name players come on all say, we we stand with Jenny Hermoso. We do not stand with him. We don't like this guy either. Don't forget, this is the guy who took—I'm well, trying to remember what the thing was. Was it, like, the Spanish—maybe the Super Cup or some, some like, one of their domestic— big cup things and he sold it to Saudi Arabia. Remember that they played oh, the game, right? They, are, did. Are they yeah, are yeah, playing yeah. the game in Saudi Arabia. That was one of the things that, so uh, this is, and I, I saw this article too, that uh, Juan Rubiales, who is his uncle, that's Luis Rubiales, uncle, okay, uncle Juan. Yep. Uncle Juan was a successful journalist in Spain. He left that to go be chief of staff for his nephew. Okay. For Luis Rubiales. When he took the president job, of the Federation. He then left famously, apparently after one of the things that set him off was that they did these negotiations to transfer the super cup to Saudi Arabia. He then went to the uncle did to the anti-corruption prosecutor's office to denounce these negotiations, basically Mm -hmm. saying my nephew 
is getting some kind of kickback from Saudi Arabia. Why else would he be doing this? Right. And he called it corruption. So they've had, to say it lightly, a falling out. Well, now Juan Rubiales, the uncle of Luis Rubiales, who quit that post, he went to El Confidencial, which is a, a tabloid paper there in Spain, and basically said this guy's a scumbag and doesn't like anything like a, a about this guy. history yeah. kind of with this, right? Um, yeah. He said that this is embarrassing behavior of this president. Um, he said when he was asked, did you ever think Rubiales would end up like this? He said, well, I never imagined it would end in this grotesque way. Um, but he said, now, did I know sooner or later that he was going to fall? Undoubtedly, because I immediately realized that I was not tall enough to be president of the Federation, nor did I want to be. He wanted to be a warrior. So he's basically saying, like, this guy, this is just how he is. He is. And again, I'm reading a translation of this. So maybe sure. in the Spanish, yeah. it, it has a little bit different meaning. But um, he was also asked, how is Rubiales in, you know, it says short distances. I'm going to take that as in close relationships or behind closed doors. How is Luis Rubiales a, working? Like a human like yeah. A person. Yeah. Juan Rubiales, his uncle, said, he's a person with a tendency to cowardice. He's a cowardly man. Therefore, if you see him, he is always surrounded by many people. That's why he always convenes dinners at his house until the wee hours of the morning, surrounded by his people. Um, so he, he, they are he, they are not happy with each other. Let's put it that way. Well, I mean, he seen, first of all, it seems like he may be a bad guy. Like his uncle's coming out, you know, nice journalist there but yeah i mean reading about this like i mean this is a massive international story of course like especially you know when you look at the world stage and again teams just can't come off of winning the world cup it's certainly not how you would want to celebrate it um but yeah it was reported by onda cero this over in a spanish you know i don't know i don't know if it's a newspaper i don't know if it's a radio station i think it might be a yeah. radio station and according to the radio station it says here the Spanish Federation sent the letter to European Football Authority complaining about government interventionism and has asked to be suspended by FIFA, or excuse me, by UEFA. But with doing so, with serving that suspension for UEFA, that would mean that all of the UEFA governing teams that are you know, participating in any UEFA events, a la Barcelona and Real Madrid, would be like kicked oh. out and suspended from the Champions League. Oh, so that's where that comes in. Yeah. Good Lord. Like, this thing is... I feel like growing tentacles by the day. Yeah, man. This Look, this is the reality. Uh, if you have followed soccer for any amount of time, if you have listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know this. The people who run international soccer organizations, and I don't mean just over in other parts of the world. I mean the people who run CONCACAF, the people who mm -hmm. run the U.S. Soccer Federation. There is, to varying degrees, corruption, yeah. nepotism, uh, good old boy network. There's all that stuff that can go on. Yeah. Some countries, I'd hope the U.S. is better than others, but it probably isn't. But, I mean, Chuck Blazer was a guy who worked oh, for CONCACAF, yeah. who was a U.S. citizen who had l large ties with U.S. soccer, and he was as corrupt as they come, right? Well, he's Jack the one that got... He's the one that got in like the penthouse with a bunch of cats and like millions yes, of dollars. Yes, in yes, yes. Right? And, he, and he had health issues, and I think he has since passed away. But Chuck Blazer was a guy who had so much power with U.S. soccer, and he was this is this is history no one cares about. But him and a guy named Jack Warner, who used to run uh, Trinidad and Tobago's soccer federation, Jack Warner was the president of CONCACAF, and he is one of the guys who it is believed took millions of dollars to help put some of these World Cups in places like Qatar mm -hmm. that you've seen. This this is the stuff that. This is how the sausage gets made. Yeah. Unfortunately, 
if you're not willing to look the other way on corrupt dealings, you probably don't get very far in a lot of big-time soccer organizations, be that FIFA, UEFA, and then on down to the national mm. organizations. I wonder why Saudi Arabia is now potentially getting a Champions League spot for next year. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. What I'm saying is greasy, if you're, greasy palms. Bone. If you're in a position where you could say, hold on a second, I don't agree with this. This is wrong. And you're in a leadership position in soccer. Nine times out of 10, everybody else at the table is going to go like we got well, this guy can't work here. <laughs> this is how we do business. Yeah. So I'm saying it it does not. Sadly, this is an immense amount of cynicism for me. But what do you expect? I, I do not get shocked at all when I find out that the people who run giant soccer federations are not the best people. Yeah. I'm not saying that excuses this behavior at all. I'm saying no one should be shocked and no one should be shocked that UEFA is like, oh, I don't know what we can do. FIFA's like, well, that's not good. We got to do something, though. We're not we're like we're not in charge of the Spanish Federation. They're in charge. It's, uh, you know, again, who was yeah. it that remember when uh Again, going back to the NFL for a second, remember when John Gruden, that email came out oh, from sure. Dan Snyder, right? Yeah, Dan sure. Snyder owned the Washington football team. Yes. Leaked this email that showed that when, you know, John Gruden, they had emails going back and forth that showed just how some horrible things he had said. He was at the time coaching for the Raiders. And the thought process was if you don't come out and condemn John Gruden and basically this was something to get the heat off Dan Snyder. The idea is a lot of these team owners behind the scenes were mad about it, but no one wanted to say anything publicly because they were afraid their own team may also like, maybe right. he's got some of my emails too. Yeah. Maybe something else is going to come out that won't look good for my organization. Of and so you burn that bridge, right? So that's what I'm saying happens in FIFA. There are probably a lot of people who are like, this guy's an idiot. He should not have done that. This but is horrible. I've also been an idiot in the past and, and I don't he, want my, he knows how bad I am and I don't want him to put some stuff out there about me. So, I'll tell That's you this. That's a great point. It's a great point. The defiance that that man showed at that press conference where he's basically like, I will not resign and said it like five times. He's like he was 10 feet tall and bulletproof standing up there. Right. It makes you wonder what he knows about some of the people who have now the charge of punishing him. Right. I, I, I'm just saying, I'm not trying to be conspiratorial. I'm saying it will not surprise me if this man kind of hangs around and or, or goes away for a couple of years like Sepp Blatter did and then suddenly reemerges yeah. as another guy that right. you you know hear from again. Actually, he's going to be the president of UEFA. Right. That, nothing would surprise me with this no. stuff, man, because what it takes is a couple. All you have to do is go away for a couple of years, say you learned your lesson, and they'll let you right back in. Mm -hmm. And then you can go on being as corrupt as you want. Well, and those paychecks won't stop coming in either in those couple of years. I'm yeah. quite sure. Just make no mistake. This issue with the player for the women's national team, Jenny Hermoso, that is bad. It is should be enough to get you fired and yep. never working in soccer From again. any job in the world. Right. It is far from the only scandal he's embroiled in. Right. And that's what I'm trying to point out is that there have been other scandals that didn't get this dude. They're trying to, but they haven't got him yet. Mm -hmm. Maybe this one will, but he is definitely a guy embroiled in scandal from start to finish. So make no mistake, but go read that article with the uncle. It's, <laughs> it's quite interesting. It's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, I mean, who knows how true it is. It's one man's word versus another, but uh, we'll last thing we'll do here before we get out of here. We'll talk about Gio Reyna. Mm. So, Big question. Another whole situation that's been bogged down with controversy. No kidding. It ties to like the first two parts of the podcast together because this is something Pat and I went around with. Pat Murphy and I have gone around and back and forth with before with Greg Berhalter and, and Gio Reyna's situation. We did a whole podcast on that a few months ago. but And now we're also talking about controversies and things that don't reflect well on your organization for different reasons, clearly. So Gio Reyna uh, was left out of the national team 24-man roster 
that was for the upcoming friendlies. They have they're playing Uzbekistan September 9th in St. Louis and Oman in St. Paul, Minnesota, three days later. Um, he's not playing in part because he's injured. Yeah. So that's the main reason you would assume most anyone would assume Gio Reyna not playing. He's hurt. Hasn't played for Borussia Dortmund yet, I believe, this year because mm-hmm. of the injuries. So that that would make total sense in any other situation. But because it's this situation, yeah. why is he not on the roster? Is it because of that or is it because of – well, we don't want him around, even if he is a little banged up. Maybe he could get out and do some training and he could build some camaraderie. Is it because Greg Berhalter doesn't like him? I actually believe it's just you're hurt, He's man. Hurt. I'm treating you yeah. like a hurt player. That's right. really all there is to it. But I, I want to ask you this. or what, what do you think of that, Beam? Do you agree with that? Am I wrong? No, I think he's hurt. Um, and then, in, you know, Greg kind of had a press conference, and he, he was talking about this entire situation. He goes, I, you know, I, I'm looking forward to sitting down with Gio Reyna, and we haven't really buried the hatchet yet, but that's going to come, and yada, 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 whatever. You know, so it doesn't seem that they have to do this. I would just treat this as at least the way that I'm looking at it from 30,000 feet and having no ideas with the intricacies of the inner working of this entire situation is that Greg Berhalter's looking at him like he's a hurt player. And what do we do in these friendlies, Bone? You know, I mean, I would say that Borussia Dortmund right now, he's more imperative for them than he is the U.S. men's national team. That's not to say that that can't flip-flop here in a year or two when, you know, you're getting ready on the run-up to the World Cup. But, all right, you want to stay at your club, you want to rehab there, you're not going to be on my team, you're injured. I take that at face value. Now, if it was Gio Reyna just logged 90 minutes in the first two matches of Dortmund and he was left off, oh, he picked up like a little bit of a knock, so he left him off of the roster, even though those games are you know a week away, then I would have my suspicions. But I do read this at face value currently for what it is. Yeah, well, that's and I think that's right. I mean, I, I do see why there is the concern and the question marks. There's going to be these question marks every time – whether he plays 30 minutes in a game, when he plays 90, when he does whatever, there were all now there will forever be as long as Greg Berhalter is the head coach of the U.S. men's national team and Gio Arena is a player that is going to be either in or out in your selection set. This will always be a story. You know what's probably going to fix this is one of a couple. It's going to include some journalism. I'll just throw that out there. I do think this is a way to get ahead of this. They should have a sit down with Greg Berhalter and Gio Reyna and like a big time soccer journalist and have that whole interview just put out or, or have a joint press conference or something where they both sit down and are like, why don't hey. we do it at a leadership meeting in which we <laughs> promise it won't be filmed and nothing will right. leak out of there. Yeah. Yeah. What I think we'll probably get though. Cause like Greg saying the right things here of, I look forward to having those conversations and I want to see him get back on the field. He even mentioned that in October, he's like, maybe he'll be healthy enough to play in October. And it's like, Again, I don't remember this, but I'm guessing the October call-ups are not the ones with, like, the regular. You know, yeah. the, there's always the call-ups for the big-time players, and then there's, like, the, oh, hey, those guys are now back with their clubs. They're not getting released for these friendlies. These Let's are the ones where we, we get got. we get the MLS guys. We get yeah. some of the other – get some younger guys in. He was saying, hopefully we can get him in in that, in that group. And, again, <laughs> that makes sense if he's injured. Yeah. But is that also him saying, yeah, right now I view him in that pool, not in the main – I don't know. Either way – I, I, I will uh, I will add this because I've been someone who has mostly supported. Gio Reyna is allowed to be precocious, spoiled. He's a talented soccer player. Yep. As I've said this before, Michael Jordan was a spoiled a-hole. Yep. But he was really, really good. He's Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Now, Gio Reyna is not that. But you're allowed to be a bad human, sadly, or a bad person or not a great teammate if you're an awesome player. They will tolerate that a lot more. Most coaches will tolerate that. 
you know, when uh, I'm, I'm not saying he is a bad guy. I'm just saying, let's not though get this twisted and add on what his parents did to him. That's not technically. There are lots of things my parents do that I don't agree with. Yeah. I would hope you wouldn't add that to my ledger. Whatever you think of Gio Reyna, base it on what he's actually done, not what his parents have done. One of the best sayings that I've ever heard was from a former coworker right here at the fan talking about, you know, that and how sometimes you can be pompous or even be a bad person and still, you know, play at the highest level and kind of get away with more. And the saying goes, if Hannibal Lecter ran a 4.4 40-yard dash, all that they would say is that he has an eating disorder. <laughs> and like that, right, yeah. when I first heard that, and I'm like, man, that's messed up. And then I thought about it for a while. I'm like, yeah, you're actually, you're probably right. Excuses are made for the for the people who are the high performers. Correct. That's not a celebration beam. I don't think you're saying that. I'm no. certainly not. We're not no, celebrating that. No, but it is, it's an eye-opening thing to when you finally realize it because it doesn't apply to 99% of us no and so that's where pointing out the unfairness is not I mean we're all we might say it and go like that's not fair and it's like yeah it's not but it's happening yeah so with Gio Reyna there are exceptions that can be made I would hope that Greg Berhalter can look past whatever the relationship is with the folks and whatever the issues were, he had to have gone over this with the federation when he was back. I would have, I would think, meeting for all those many months when he was unemployed or contract yeah. ran out. Like, hey man, this might have to maybe not thing number one on your plate, but if you're going to come back and you're going to coach this national team, like this has got to be a thing that you get done in the next calendar year. Here, here is the sad reality, though, and I hate to say this because I'm someone who wants to see Gio Reyna successful. When he's on his game, he's truly one of the best players we've ever had on the yeah. national team. This is a guy who it may not matter if him and Greg Berhalter ever bury the hatchet because can you count on this guy to be healthy? Right. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying it in the sense of how many times. Very hurt. That was supposedly part of the issue going into the World Cup last year was that Greg's defense was, well, he hasn't played a lot of games. Other guys have. They're he in better and he shape. Hasn't, and he hasn't. Greg's right. point. He'd had a lot of injuries that year leading into the World Cup. So that's a concern. How many times have we seen that where it's like Gio Reyna is not playing because he's hurt? And then he gets back on the field and does something amazing. Yeah. And we all go, oh, my God, this guy. And he's still very young. He's just had so many injuries. I can understand why people question if he's going to be a reliable piece for this team. And if Greg Berhalter and him truly can't ever get on the same page, and if that doesn't ever work out, it might matter. But there's a good chance that whether he and Greg Berhalter can become the best of buddies and they're doing a you know, world tour telling everyone how much they love each other. Doesn't mean he's going to play in the next World Cup because right. he's always hurt. He's so, played in two games since the end of May. Yeah, right. There you go. I mean, I, I know they had a break in between. Sure. But he's been ouchie. He's didn't get back from the injuries quick enough to play for Borussia Dortmund. Mm -hmm. When he does get in, I again, I hope the best for him. I think he's a talented player, and I'm rooting for him. But you got to stay healthy. The best ability is availability. That's as correct. As some every coach has ever said and that finishes our one of the most used weekly, cliches ever weekly coach speak podcast there you go exactly right <laughs> Hannibal Lecter and Available. the standard is the standard <laughs> that's right <laughs> just dudes being dudes all right that's it for us these dudes are out of here we'll talk to you next week thanks for listening of course tweet us at bone beam united we'll see you then